Hello again, everyone. This is Stephen Ron with the Profound Pickleball Podcast. It's time for episode number 17 of this podcast. I uh, do not have a guest uh, for this episode, uh, so you'll just have to put up with listening to me again. And the topic for this podcast may be a little bit uh, controversial with some people, um, but it's something I feel like I need to address. And what I'm going to be talking about in this episode are some of the uh, rules uh, of our game that some people seem not to understand very well. And I'm only bringing these up because these are actual real situations that I've encountered on the court either in tournaments or in rec play. And I will also say that I am in the process of going through the certification to become a line judge and uh, certified referee. Now that's going to take me a while to do that, but I'm at least in the beginning stages of that. So I've been studying the rules uh, pretty closely, uh, especially when the new ones came out, you know, um, late last year. And so a few things I just wanted to talk about. Um, some of these, some of you guys will already know some of these things, but I'm still amazed that some people don't quite understand um, some of the rules here. First rule I want to talk about uh, deals with where players uh, can stand um, during a point. Well, I'm really referring to the, the beginning of the point. According to the rules, the only player who has to stand in any certain spot is the server. Obviously, the server has to be behind the baseline and behind the sort of imaginary center line uh, or center line extension and the sideline for whichever side he or she's going to serve on. So if you're on the right side, you know, you're serving you know, from the right to the left box uh, diagonally. So the server does have a specified uh, area where he or she must stand. And that's it. The receiver can stand anywhere um, on their side of the court. The server's partner can stand anywhere he or she wants. Now, obviously, for the server's partner, it's a good idea to stand behind the baseline because you've got to let that service return bounce. But uh, like, for example, when players do stacking, um, if the server is serving on the right side, the partner may stand to the right of the server uh, if there's a stacking situation or could stand to the left if they're not stacking. But there's no rule that says that the server's partner can't stand forward of the baseline. In fact, they could even stand in the no volley zone. Again, not really a great strategy in most cases, but there really is not a rule as long as you're on your side of the net as far as where the server's partner can stand. Now, as far as the receivers go, there's no rule about either the receiver or the receiver's partner dictating where they have to stand when the server is coming towards them. Obviously, they, the proper receiver will have to hit the ball, you know, um, but the receiver can stand inside the baseline may not be a good idea against a good server. If a server hits a deep serve, you know, that could cause a little bit of a problem for the receiver. Now, normally the receiver will stand, you know, uh, maybe just a, a foot or so, a step or two behind the baseline. And the receiver's partner usually stands, you know, toward the uh, non-volley zone line. However, that's not a rule. Both players could stand back. The receiver's partner can stand inside the no-volley zone if he or she wants. Obviously, that player will want to get out of the uh, uh, non-volley zone once the ball comes back their way, if they intend to volley the ball. 
But I, I, I've seen people get really upset, for example, when they were serving and the server or the server's partner weren't standing where they're used to seeing them. Maybe they were doing some kind of stacking thing or maybe just trying to sort of mess with the mind of the server a little bit by standing in some sort of a weird formation. But so if you're serving to a team and, and it looks like they're, you know, standing in a weird spot, I would say just ignore that and serve the ball in the box. And as long as the correct receiver you know, returns it back, you know, that's legal. They can stand anywhere they really want. Um, so just something to be aware of. And again, I've seen people in tournaments get really mad saying, you're not standing in the right place. You can't stand in, in the kitchen or no volley zone while I'm serving. Well, yes, they can. They can stand anywhere they want. Again, only the server has a position that he or she must stand in uh, when or the, when the, the point is beginning. Like I said, behind the baseline and within the center line and sideline of whichever side they're serving on. So don't be... Um, upset if you see people standing where you think they shouldn't stand as long as it's not the server there's really not a rule for that again as long as you're on your side of the net there okay so standing is one thing i've seen people get upset about um and it really happened more in stacking situations where people weren't used to playing against people who were stacking and they think that the you know partner should be in a certain spot where they're used to seeing it well there's really no rule again it's for anyone except for uh the server Okay, so that's one thing I wanted to talk about there. Another point I wanted to talk about was momentum. Now, momentum comes into play um, with the no volley zone. Obviously, if a player is making a volley, volley means hitting it out of the air before it bounces. If the player volleys the ball behind the no volley zone, but his or her momentum from that shot carries the player into the zone, that is a fault, okay? Now, it, it doesn't matter if the shot that the person hits, you know, bounces twice, or let's say you hit a hard volley that maybe hits your opponent in the shoulder or something like that, which that normally would end the point. But the momentum rule survives that. It, it extends beyond the fact that the ball might have become dead because you hit it. So if your momentum carries you into the no volley zone after you've hit a volley, it doesn't matter whether or not the ball on the other side has bounced twice or hit a player or whatever. Now, where another point of confusion comes with momentum regarding the net. Now, the same rule does not apply to the net. And here's a situation I saw a couple of years ago. My partner uh, went for a ball um, that bounced in the no-volley zone. So the no-volley zone rules were not even applying in this case. My partner ran, you know, pretty quickly up into the no volley zone and hit the ball back to the opponent. And the ball actually did hit the opponent kind of in the side. Now, at that point, when the ball hit the opponent's body, the point was then over. Okay. Now, as it so happened, about a half second after the ball hit the opponent in the side, my partner did run into the net. Not, you know, didn't knock it over, but kind of, you know, got to the net and kind of just, you know, ran gently into the net. Well, the opponents tried to claim the rally there. But the rule does allow you to touch the net after the ball has become dead. The momentum rule does not apply to the net in that situation like it would apply to the no volley zone. Again, there was no volley because the ball had already bounced on our side. 
and my partner hit when he hit the ball the ball again hit the opponent before he hit the net now if he had hit the net before the ball had hit the opponent that would have been a fault absolutely you cannot hit touch the net while the ball is still in play but once the fault occurred meaning the ball had hit the opponent kind of in the side at that point it uh, the point was over the ball was dead and so then my partner touched the net that was not a violation on my partner and that was a pretty heated argument with the uh, player who got hit um, but again the rule was on our side so we we you know kept the point even though it was a very very heated situation there with the opponent who didn't really understand the rule so the rule is you know to just sort of recap while the ball is in play you cannot touch the net but once the play is over if the ball bounces twice hits the opponent in a part of their body other than their hand you know the point is over and then you can touch the net so that was a perfectly legal play in that situation so momentum does not apply to the net after the ball is dead it does apply to the no volley zone after the ball is dead so um, if your momentum is carrying you toward the no volley zone you need to obviously try to stop you know stop your momentum so that you know when you do go into the no volley zone the momentum from the shot is not what took you in there and i've seen some cases where someone hit a volley and the point was over but they had they were their momentum had stopped in other words they were standing still um, even maybe kind of taking a step or two backwards toward the service the, the baseline then they went in you know maybe to get the ball or do something like that and people will try to call a violation on that well once your momentum stops then you can go into the no volley zone you know after you've hit a volley but uh, people sometimes don't understand that part of it either so momentum has to stop completely before you go into that no volley zone there okay um, another rule that I, this actually did not happen to me, but I observed it happening in a tournament not too long ago. Um, there was a situation where uh, one team called a player on the on the opponent opposing side for a foot fault in the no volley zone, and it was a very close call. I, I'm not sure if the player actually stepped in or not, but according to the rules now. Okay, if your opponent calls you for that, calls you for a foot fault in the no volley zone, it used to be that that was the end of it. The, the, the opponents could just call it and then their call stood. Well, that's not the case anymore. If someone calls you or your partner for a foot fault in the no volley zone or a service foot fault, okay, you can dispute that. And if you do not agree with your opponent, that becomes a replay. Now there was some controversy about that because the thinking was that people would just start stepping in, you know, with you know, whenever they wanted, and if they got called, they would just say, "Well, I don't agree with you. Let's just replay it." Well, I've seen that happen very rarely. I mean, in fact, I think a lot of people don't even know that rule to be honest with you because that's what the case was in the tournament. The players on the court didn't know the rule. So they did not contest it and did, did not get a replay. Um, but if someone were to call me for a uh, footfall in the no, no volley zone, and that, and that happens, that, I've certainly done that. Um, I don't think I've ever really raised a big stink because it's usually pretty obvious, I guess, when I've done it. Um, but if someone called it on me and I know for certain that I did not step in, then I would simply say, I disagree with your call. We're going to have to replay that. 
And if they may get mad at me, um, but I would expect them to do the same thing if, if, the, if it were reversed. If I called one on them and it was a really close call and they disagreed with me, well, maybe I may, I may have missed the call. So if they disagree on that situation, that is okay. That would then be a replay. Again, in the past, I think the rule changed last year on that um, to where it is now a replay. It used to not be a replay. And just to recap, you cannot call very many things on your opponents, like a double bounce. If you think the ball bounced twice before your opponent hit it, you can't make that call. Now, you can ask your opponent, are you sure that didn't bounce twice? But if they are, are sure that it did not bounce twice, you have to go with their call, okay? Uh, the same thing with a, a net violation. Let's say they ran up to, to the net to, to take a short ball and they got it back over, but you think maybe they touched the net with their foot or their paddle, they have to call that on themselves. You can't call it, but again, after the point is over, you may want to ask for clarification and say, I think you touched the net. If they say no, there's there's no recourse in that. Now, I am talking about non-officiated matches here, like we usually do in, in uh, you know, rec play, open play, whatever. Uh, if you have a referee, the referee can certainly call that sort of thing, but I'm really keeping this to non-refereed uh, situations here. Now, what you can call on your opponents, I already mentioned the uh, foot fault in the no volley zone. You can call that. You can also call uh, service foot faults. If you see the server is stepping on or over the line before they strike their serve, uh, you can call that. Now, I'll be very honest with you. I've seen that happen, you know, dozens of times. I honestly don't, I don't remember ever calling someone for a foot fault on the serve for the simple reason that I don't really know what advantage, you know, they're getting from that. Now, in, in a, a sport like tennis, where people serve in volley, there would be an advantage to getting to the net faster. But in pickleball, because the server has to let the serve, uh, the return bounce, you know, moving in doesn't really get you a lot of advantage, Maybe unless maybe you think the returner is hitting a lot of short returns. I guess that might be um, one reason for the server to try that. I personally try to return my, or return a serve pretty deep. So if they're standing too far inwards, that's actually a, a benefit for me. I don't mind them, you know, doing that. But I don't, I don't remember ever having called a service foot fault against an opponent. Um, I, I don't. I may have, but I just don't remember offhand ever doing that. Um, but you can call that on your opponents. Now, again, if they disagree, however, um, it is uh, would, that would be a replay. So if you're going to call it, you know, I would probably say you know, make sure it's pretty egregious that, you know, it's harder for them to, to disagree with you, um, you know, but again, it's it's to me that's not a big deal in most cases. Um, now the no volley zone fault is a big deal. You're, you're getting a distinct advantage if you're constantly stepping in to the no volley zone and hitting volley. So I'm going to watch that, you know, much much more carefully than I would really watch, you know, service uh, foot faults, you know, back there. Okay. Uh, let's see. Another one that happened in a recent tournament was a situation where. Um, I'll, there were two points I'll, I'll talk about real quick. On one point, um, I was playing doubles and there was a ball that the opponents hit near our baseline. And so both my partner and I were going for the ball um, and the ball bounced and my, my partner called the ball out. And as soon as that happened, I 
said, I saw the ball in. So I said to my, my partner that I felt like the ball was in. So in that case, we disagreed on the call. Now, neither one of us hit the ball back. So in that situation, the ball, uh, we had to treat that as an in ball. So we wound up giving them the, the rally for that. So we lost that, that point or that rally. And that is exactly what should have happened. If, if, a, if the two partners disagree on a call like that, one says in, one says out, the assumption is that the ball is in and the opponents will win that rally. And it's, it's a weird thing because, you know, partners have different views, different angles. They see the ball. So, you know, seeing it out, you know, and, and her or him seeing it in, you know, that's not that uncommon, um, to be honest with you. Because, again, we, we, we were running at different speeds. You know, we may or may not be looking down at the right angle to see it. But, again, what happened in that situation was exactly what should have happened. Uh, partner called it out. I called it in. We gave the opponents the point, and there was no you know, big, no hard feelings or animosity on anyone's part about that. Now, what happened on another point was a little different, however. I was, uh, well, my partner was receiving a serve. Now, I was standing you know, toward the no volley zone. The opponent hit a serve, and I did not see the serve land because I was looking towards the opponent's side. So I did not see the ball land. My partner called the serve out pretty much immediately. Well, the opponents disagreed with the call, and they sort of looked at me, and I said, I didn't see it. Now, my opponents interpreted my saying that as disagreement, but that was not disagreement because I did not call the ball in at all. I didn't see the ball land, so I have no idea whether it was in or out. And my opponents were, you know, honestly a little stubborn about it. They kept saying, well, you know, when you disagree, you're supposed to call it in. And I tried very carefully and very calmly to explain that there was no disagreement because I didn't see the ball. I didn't contradict my partner's call. The, the call was pretty quick, and it was one of those that I, I'm assuming was pretty close. Um, so the opponents thought it was out, and they thought that we were disagreeing um, because... I didn't make a call. Again, I didn't see the, the, the ball at all. I, you know, sometimes I'll look back when the serve, you know, goes back behind me. Sometimes I don't. Um, I don't remember specifically why I didn't look in that case. Um, maybe I just assumed it was going to be in. Um, but again, I didn't see uh, where it landed, so I could not, you know, either support or disagree with my partner's call. So in that case, um, my partner's call stands, okay? So it... it it's not a rule anywhere written that both partners have to see the ball out. Because as we all know, sometimes, you know, a ball will land and only one partner can see it. Because maybe, you know, your partner's blocking you or because, you know, you've been chasing a ball, you know, off the court and you can't get back in position to see. So if one partner sees the ball out and calls the ball out, the other partner may or may not have seen it. And if the other partner says, I didn't see it, that is not a disagreement with the partner. So that case that I mentioned earlier where we did disagree, it's different if one partner does not see the ball and cannot make a call. That is not a disagreement. And there's nothing in the rule book that, that prevents the one partner from making a call, an out call, if the other partner didn't see it. Again, that is not a disagreement. And I was getting pretty frustrated because the opponents were really harping on 
the fact that we disagreed and I kept saying, no, I, I have to see the ball um, in to disagree with my partner, but it didn't seem to make uh, any good headway there. So um, as, it, as it turned out, you know, we, we won the, the game, you know, by more than, you know, a couple of points. So it wasn't that big a deal, but I could tell they were pretty upset and I just didn't want to, you know, pursue it any further after the game was over. So um, that was sort of the end of that. But again, so if, if one partner can't see the ball land, you know, for whatever reason, um, it's not a disagreement if the partner calls it out and the, other, and the partner who didn't see it can't say, well, yes, I agree with you that it was out. I just didn't see the, see the ball land. And that's not that uncommon to not see a ball, especially when you're at the no volley zone, a ball hit behind you, especially a hard drive, you know. One partner may see it, you know, uh, clearly in or out. The other partner may not see it because if it's a hard drive, you know, sort of like right by your head, you may not get your head around in time to see the ball, whereas your partner might have a better angle, you know, at it. So that's just another thing to be aware of, that you don't have to, you know, see the ball out if your partner calls it out if you didn't see the ball at all is kind of what I'm, I, I'm sort of trying to say. Now, we all want to make the right calls. I think the vast majority of us want to make the right calls. And again, if, if I see a ball in that my partner uh, calls out, I will make that call and, and make that correction. And I would expect my partner to do the same thing because I'm, I'm sure there are times when I've called a ball out that I've missed it and it should have been in. And I know there are a few cases where my partner has overruled me. And I don't take that personally because again, we're seeing it at different angles. We're running at different speeds. Um, you know, the lighting is a little different depending on like the glare of the sun can cause, you know, different uh, shadows and, and, you know, things on the court. Sometimes it's just hard to see um, the ball. And so whether it's in or out, so we make the best calls that we can. And I always try to err on the side. If I don't definitively see the ball out, I don't make a call. I, I assume the ball is in. And I think the vast majority of people that I play with, um, are the same way. Okay, let's see. I'll see if there are any other rules I wanted to talk about. Um, just real quick about the serve. This will be the last thing I'll talk about. I am amazed that when I go to tournaments, I see people who are serving what are just, for lack of a better word, just plain illegal serves. Now, I'm not talking about bounce serve. You know, the, the bounce serve is a whole new thing. But what I, I saw some people this weekend who were hitting, um, you know, serves that just if if I were a referee I would have to call them on it because they weren't following the rules about the serve and the main rule I saw being violated was the fact that for a non bounce serve just what I call a standard regular serve people were hitting like a chop like a high to low chop slice serve and that is illegal the rule on that is that your your paddle must be in an upward motion when you hit the ball. Now, it can only be like one degree, you know, upward motion, but you can't be going high to low like you're hitting a slice chop shot on a serve. And, you know, I, I saw, gosh, at least four or five people hitting serves that really should have been considered illegal serves. And I, I don't want to get mad at people. I just think maybe they don't know the rule about that. Now, maybe they were just still new to the game and no one's ever told them um, that, you know, that, that was an illegal serve. Um, but yeah, I saw some serves that were really, really, you know, 
illegal. Um, and again, I didn't say a word to them. Um, I said a couple of things to people, you know, in this, in the, <laughs> on the side that, you know, isn't that an illegal serve? And, you know, they were like, yeah, it looks pretty, pretty uh, shaky to me. So um, I hope that those people will learn that because if they ever do get into a tournament where there is a referee, they're probably going to get called on a lot of those things. And so um, I would strongly recommend that if you're not using the, the bounce serve, now, or that should be the drop serve. I should call it the drop serve. On a drop serve, you can do that. If you can drop the ball and hit it, you know, high to low with underspin, that's perfectly legal on a drop serve, but not on a regular serve if you're not dropping it till it hits the ground first. If you're just hitting it out of the air in the more traditional serve, your paddle is supposed to be going low to high there. Even if it's just a little bit low to high, um, that's fine, but you cannot go high to low and you know I'm talking about hit that hard chop, you know, underspin slice on the serve if it's not a drop serve. So anyway, so those are a few rule things that I've noticed um, that seem people either just don't understand or don't want to learn the rules correctly. Uh, I'd like to think that it's not because they don't want to, but I just think for whatever reason they haven't. So what I would strongly recommend for anyone if you're having issues with rules Go to the USA Pickleball uh, site and you can download a PDF copy of the rule book and keep it on your phone or a tablet, you know, and you can, you know, I've seen people, you know, open up their phones and bring the, break out the rule book, you know, that way um, and, you know, resolve some disputes. I'd rather get it right than have, you know, a lingering argument or any kind of bad ill will or whatever. Um, also, if you go to USA Pickleball's site, if you go to the um, officiating section, they even have some online quizzes that are kind of interesting that you can take that cover the rules. There's a player's quiz, there's a line judge quiz, and a referee's quiz. The referee quiz is pretty hard, I'll tell you right now. Um, but the player quiz is a really good one. I think it's maybe 70-ish questions. And you can take it multiple times because you, there's a huge bank of questions. So you, you get a lot of different questions the more times you take it. And, you know, some of those, you know, situations are pretty common that you will encounter. And so, you know, if you got some time, you know, and you want to brush up on the rules, you know, download the rules and maybe take one of their quizzes and just see how well you do on it. Anyway, um, I'm really glad that the, the weather is getting warmer. Um, more of us are getting out these days. Uh, court space is a little harder to find in some cases. Uh, I know the pollen is really bad right now. I know some people suffer from that. If you got allergies, I, I feel really badly for you. Um, um, luckily, I don't really have much of an issue with that. Um, biggest problem I have with pollen is on the court, you know, the ball hits and it's like a poof of smoke sometimes when the ball hits the court. Um, but anyway, I hope that everybody will um, enjoy, you know, playing more outside now that the weather is getting warmer. Um, before too long, it'll, it'll be, you know, the heat of summer. It'll be miserable. But so enjoy the spring where it's a little cooler and getting to play outside. And I hope you guys, um, you know, have enjoyed this little trip through some of the rules. I welcome any commentary you might have. Leave me a comment, you know, um, on my Facebook page, Profound Pickleball, or wherever. And um, hope to see you guys on the court. Thank you guys very much.